0: The governance has been classified into the executive, administrative, the legislative enactment of laws and judicial application enactment and enforcement of laws. The separation of powers between these three bodies follow Montesquieu's dictum. The second is the Westminster model which states the supremacy of the parliament. This model was used in England till its joining the European Union. No statute can question the parliament regarding its trespassing a field reserved for other state organs. There was a distinction between the executive and legislative wings. The earlier opinion of the sovereignty of the parliament and judicial review of legislature have undergone subsequent changes. Executive and legislative powers are still interlinked. The Indian model follows the third mode of separation of powers. It does not vest separate powers in the different organs of the state in spite of recognizing legislative, executive and judicial bodies. The constitution is supreme in India and laws against constitutional provisions are void. The separation of powers is not equal and the executive has been vested with the maximum authority. As Acharya Kriplani stated, let there be no camouflage. Legislature practically means the executive. It is absurd to say that the legislature is a free body of persons. Today the executive is the legislature, but the legislature may not be the executive. The executive is the legislature in a party system democracy. In a centralized democracy, there is no difference. There is no separation as such between the legislative and the executive. There is an overlap in the functions of the Judiciary, Legislature and Executive branches of government. The Judiciary is often summoned to discharge quasi-executive or legislative functions. The Constitution provides powers of judicial review of judicial, executive and legislative actions. The executive functions are required to be operated independently, such as the Comptroller and Auditor-General and the Election Commission. Legislative functions have been given to independent statutory bodies. Unlike England, our constitution has rejected parliamentary sovereignty. However, the powers of the state legislatures and the parliament to enact laws are plenary. Parliament can decide the number of judges to be appointed in the Supreme Court and can impeach judges of the apex court and the high courts. Under separation of powers, executive can carry out administrative functions like maintenance of law and order and implementing them. The functional overlap present in the constitution allows the executive to perform important judicial and legislative functions along with administrative functions. Under Article 245, the parliament and the state legislatures are empowered to make laws for the entire Indian territory. And it is responsible for framing government policies and transforming them to laws. Bills originate with a majority in the state legislatures and the Parliament under the supervision of the executive. The executive dominates the legislative process. Article 245 does not provide for the prohibition of the legislation by the executive. Under Article 73, the powers of the executive to make laws are coextensive with the Parliament. The power is executed in the President's name. Another part given to the Governor under Article 162 which is co-extensive with the State Legislature. Executive orders under these articles have equal efficacy as an act passed by the Parliament. Executive legislation is extensively used as it covers a broad spectrum. Thus, the areas not covered under laws are speculated by the Executive after notification to the official Gazette. The other legislative powers enjoyed by the executive are imposition of tax, fixing the MRP of drugs, deciding the time of constitutional amendments, restricting the import and export of necessary commodities, and extending the coverage of statutes. The Essential Supplies Act 1946 banned the export of staples and restricted the sale of iron and steel. The Supreme Court once stated, With the proliferation of delegated legislation, there is a tendency for the line between legislation and administration to vanish into an illusion. In Chapter 3 of Part 5, the Constitution acknowledges the legislative powers of the Executive. The heading is Legislative powers of the President, where in Article 123, an ordinance has been Promulgated shall have the same force and effect as an Act of Parliament. Chapter 4's headline states the legislative powers of the Governor. Article 213 has given promulgation of ordinances' power to the Governor when legislative assembly is not in session. Ordinances can be issued on multitudes of subjects where approval of the legislature is not required. To bypass the normal process of legislation, The executive has often resorted to governance by ordinance. When inconsistencies arise between the laws made by the parliament and the state legislatures, the executive, with the help of the president, decides whether the state law should be activated. But such legislative powers of the executive are listed under emergency provisions. Article 356 states that when the president receives a report from the governor of a state that the state cannot be carried on under the provisions made by the Constitution. He or she may dissolve the State Assembly by proclamation and take over the government of the state. The President can put the powers of the state legislation under the authority of the Parliament. The Parliament may direct the legislative powers to the President or to any authority to whom the power may be transferred by the President. Article 357, Subsection 1. The Governor acts according to his discretion while reporting to the President. A leading commentator has remarked, only a myth or fiction which actually boils down to supremacy of the executive government of the day. And when government shouts from the housetop to upload sovereignty of Parliament, what in effect it is seeking is to have complete uncontrolled freedom of action itself to do what it likes. as it- The majority in parliament would always support it. Autonomous bodies, the election commission. The elections were conducted by the executive authority under the Government of India Act 1935. So under the Constitution of India and Article 324, an autonomous constitutional authority was formed for the conduction and superintendence of election. This autonomous body came to be known as the Election Commission, which is independent and impartial and not controlled by the executive. Parliament makes the law regarding matters related to conduction of elections of the state legislatures and the Parliament. Such laws do not affect the plenary powers of the Election Commission as per Article 324. The EC is invested with executive powers and quasi-judicial and legislative powers for discharging its functions. Article 243 K has given similar powers to the SEC for panchayat elections. These powers include suspension of an election if required. However, practically the independence of the EC is thwarted by the Executive. Clause 6 of Article 324 empowers the President or the Governor of any state to provide staff for the discharge of the functions of the Election Commission if requested by the Election Commissioner. But these requests are often restricted by the Government of the Centre and State thus ending up in a deadlock. Comptroller and Auditor General The CAG is considered to be the most important officer in the Indian constitution with much more important duties than the judiciary. Auditing of expenditures and receipts of the union and state comes under the jurisdiction of the CAG. He is appointed by the President after the recommendation of the Prime Minister. The SC also has Special powers to appoint the officers and servants. The CAG is the head of the Indian Adult and Accounts Department but does not have any such power. The terms and powers of the servants in the Indian Adult and Accounts Department and the powers of the CAG are prescribed by the President after consulting the CAG. The independence that a CAG is supposed to enjoy is gravely impaired and he has no assurance of tenure as enjoyed by the judiciary as their age of retirement is mentioned in the Constitution. The CAG is not empowered to take any action based on its own report. He has to place the report before the Parliament or the State Assembly. Therefore, the executive disregards the CAG's objections to extravagant expenditures. Recently, based on the adverse report of the CAG, the Supreme Court directed investigation into grant of Unified Access Service License. Executive functions have continuously controlled the autonomous bodies, using them as facilitators of executive functioning and not as independent bodies. Though the Indian model of division of power is still under evolution, if we follow the Constitution, the judiciary should remain the keystone as the interpreter of the Constitution.